is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. Right. That that reminded me, did you get the Instagram tag I posted on with this young boy? He started rapping in his music class using curses and he was like he was rapping to Bobby Schmurder's song and I he know. was like, I eat my I eat my rice and cabbage. It was hilarious, and you just reminded me of him. Yes, yes. Thank and you he's very viral much, guys. Now. And we are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM, WHCR, the voice of Harlem, where we talk about politics and social issues and Black Lives Matter because they always matter. And what is um, trans lives matter because they always matter. And <laughs> women lives matter and black women lives matter and lives matter. And also fried chicken, Hennessy, and hookah is a good way to spend your Thursday night, but I did not spend my way that I did not spend my Thursday night that way. I had whiskey and hot wings and hookah. And so, Republican oh, banter. Yes, yes. God bless the base God. But guys, <laughs> we are not here to talk about the Republicans at this very moment, at least not right well, now. We kind of... It's always time for Republicans, yeah. you're right. What we are doing at the moment is looking at me on the Ustream can where my shirt says training to be Goku. If you don't know what that means, you need to watch Dragon Ball Z yesterday. Yeah, I need to catch up on that because I didn't get it. <laughs> don't. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, you can Anyways, continue. guys. Such a loser. Um, we are here because the other day just marked the 50th anniversary of the Voting Rights Act. In case, in case you don't know what the Voting Rights Act is, it is a law that was passed in 1965. I was going to say four. Five. Wasn't the Civil Rights Act in 65? Voting Rights Act is 1965. Okay. March of 1965. So oh, thank yeah. You. Yeah. So and, passed in 1965. And yes, and it was passed by Lyndon B. Johnson. Of course, we know that the civil rights movement and civil rights leaders like um, Martin Luther King Jr. and a number of nameless people, um, they, they pressured President Lyndon B. Johnson to pass this legislation. And it was one of the most historic pieces of legislation in our country because it said that it is no longer legal for states and um, local officials to use discriminatory practices to keep blacks and, and people of color and Hispanics from from voting. You know, you can no longer use the grandfather clause or, you know, just demand that people write verses from the, the Constitution in order to vote. But you know what? Even though this historic piece was passed in 1965 and we, we commemorated its anniversary 50 years ago, I mean, excuse me, um, a few days ago. It's still under attack. And we've seen that, you know, when we look at the Supreme Court case in 2013 that struck down Section 5 of the Voting Rights Act. And that was one of the most crucial pieces of legislation because it said that no longer are states who have a history of discriminatory practices, no longer do they have to get preclearance from the federal government in order to change any of their election rules. So once that was out the window, you had Texas and all of these other states just lying up to pass these laws that would again strategically keep a certain demographic and a certain base of people from the polls and unfortunately I just gave Stanley's full intro yeah. <laughs> but he's going to be back just momentarily and we're going to continue the conversation Stanley I'm sorry. I want you guys to know that Alyssa, I mean not Alyssa, Selena had the police call me and they stopped and frisked <laughs> me through the phone I so I was unable to give my introduction. I'm sorry I know you, you planned for that Stanley. a bully Selena. I'm sorry about that. And I hate you with all of my heart. No, it's I'm all kidding. good I though. Do not, I, do not, I do not hate you with all of my heart just most of it the rest of it is for jackie and that's yeah. where the hatred comes from yeah that's right so um i didn't even get to hear what you were saying but i'm i'm gonna pick up from the 50th anniversary yes <laughs> and we also know that the voting rights act was repealed well well section four of the voting rights it's Act. section which, five it's section four was just empowered section five because section yes. five is what lets you pick the states section four creates the formula 
to right, but the Section 4 is still in place, which is definitely a key thing to note because that's sort of what's being used now to challenge some of these laws. No. Yes. We'll, we'll that's to, what the Justice Department is using, Section 4. We'll, 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 have, to, we'll have to check that out there. We'll have to check no, that. It's like a verifiable fact. It's no, okay. no. We I, can I'm check not, it out. <laughs> so we'll check that out, and then I'll confirm a few when we go on our next break. But anyways, we know the Voting Rights Act has been disempowered, and because of that, um, because of that, we've been— We've had a lot of different states pushing all of these anti-voting pieces of legislation in there. And since it was a a section of the Voting Rights Act was repealed back in 2013, I believe it was now, Mm -hmm. we have had over 100 different voter ID laws be pushed through, which makes us ask the question, are are the rights of voters under attack? And by the rights of voters, Mm. I mean... Are they under attack from all people, or are they under, are they under attack for just a certain group of people? So, what we're going to have here is kind of a bit of an open discussion about voting acts and gen- excuse me, voting rights in general. Um, who's being attacked? What we'd like to see happen, and also what kind of laws have been being pushed in these states? As we know, in over twenty-two states, there's some kind of law on the books or being pushed on the books to restrict the access of voters. So, let's start it off with there. The Voting Rights Act, a section of it was repealed. Um, we'll talk about the section once we get a fact check later on. But like, who like who is feeling the brunt of the effects from this law being repealed? And I guess we'll start with Jackie because her eyes are the widest. Um, poor people, people of color, students. Um, I mean, you know, there's a lot of voter ID laws can be spun to sound good if if you don't know the history of voting rights in this country, right? Where I hear a lot of people say, well, yeah, I mean, why shouldn't you just show your identity at the polls? That should be a no-brainer. But that's very problematic in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Not everyone has an ID. Um, if you live in a state, let's say I... You know, I'm a college student. I'm from New York, but I'm spending 10 months out of the year living in Pennsylvania, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where these laws are, you know, I th- think enacted or yeah, they will be enacted. Pennsylvania, Virginia, a lot of places, um, yeah. So let's say I live two months of the year in New York and Mm -hmm. I have a New York state driver's license. But as a student, most of my time is spent in Pennsylvania. I cannot vote if I don't have a Pennsylvania ID. Right. Or if I don't have an ID that fits, you know, because I'm technically a resident of New York State. So it disenfranchises students in that way. It disenfranchises people that can't afford a state ID. Right. So it goes back to why this law was enacted in the first place. People were charged poll taxes and things like that. So it sort of stands as a poll tax. Right. If you have to spend, I mean, IDs are expensive. If anyone that's ever had to, you know, get a new driver's license or replace theirs knows it can be upwards of a hundred bucks. Right. So it's a, a poll tax right there in of itself. Um, and it just puts up this extra barrier. You know, there's not a lot of cases of voter fraud. And I know, like, the Republican Party likes to say that there is and that this is a huge issue that we need to be facing when it's not. It's like a made up issue. It's really not a big deal. Um, and it just puts in place these extra barriers that keep people from getting to the polls. Yeah. You know, I agree with all of that. I mean, just to further answer your question, who do who are they trying to stop from voting? It's it's people who generally vote for Democrats, yes. right? People who are poor, minorities, et cetera, et cetera, all the people that Jackie mentioned. I Funny enough, I also wrote down it's a poll tax, uh, you know, for the reason you mentioned, but also because it actually costs money to get an ID, which makes it a, a yeah. lit, an actual poll tax, which is they're saying one of the things about voting is you don't have to pay any money to do it. If you're saying now somebody needs this ID... And then it costs them money to go get the ID or let's say they need to get their birth certificate in order to get the ID and then they have to pay for that. So whether it's directly a poll tax or whether there's like six degrees of separation, but there still is a money involvement, which is very difficult. Then there's also just the logistics. For example, one of the women who was affected by this was a woman named Vivian Applewhite, right? Vivian was born... 
I think in the early 1900s or the late 1800s, she has voted in every single election since she turned 18, and she's never had any problems voting until, I guess it was 2008, when she went to go vote, and she did not have the proper ID, um, and she said, you know... In order for, I don't have my birth certificate because I was born like before, you know, they had the kind of birth certificates we have now. Like in order for me to get the documents that I need just to get an ID, she was like, I'm 93 years old. I don't drive, you know, like it would call, you know, I would have to take public transportation an hour and a half in order to be able to get the birth certificate and then take another bus for another hour in order to go to the DMV to get the ID. Like the, just the burden, the onus. And this is like on elderly people, put aside the fact that she was a little sweet old black lady, which, you know, is neither here nor there, because whether she was white or black, like she still would have the onus would have still been the same on her as an elderly person to travel to get right. that. Right. ID. And, and just to add on, um, I think that what's so telling about these laws that are being implemented in the last few years is voter fraud is a non-issue and it has been a non-issue and as soon as we elect the first black president all of a sudden people are like we got to take the country back and how are we going to do it let's stop them from voting let's push the country back 55 years before the voting rights act was even implemented and let's just get in these let's get these people to stop voting well, no, they didn't necessarily say that, but I'm just saying that it's telling and it definitely alludes to that. Some of them so, have come out and actually said <laughs> oh, yeah, that. That's true. Yeah. That's so, true. Very true in Pennsylvania, actually. Yes. So let's take a step back, guys. When the Voting Rights Act was first passed, as a person of color, you could be killed. You could lose your job. You could be chased out of town. You could be physically assaulted or attacked or harassed if you were registered to vote. And in order to stop you from registering to vote, they had all sorts of things. So you had to take a literacy test. You had to pay a poll tax. You had to like answer like you had to answer all kinds of questions about who was what part of the globe. And it was really based on the poll workers' discretion. Mm-hmm on whether you were going to be able to get registered. So much so that they had a whole bunch of different campaigns and organizations, including Freedom Summer, where they were trying to register people to vote. And those campaigns failed largely because of the Ku Klux Klan going out there and killing people and threatening and embarrassing people. And the Voting Rights Act was supposed to do what? Stop people from being punished and infringed upon when they were trying to register to vote. It was to protect that right. And that was like the biggest piece of it. In 2015, the argument from many Supreme Court justices, well, maybe one or two, was that that issue was not the same anymore. So while some of these laws that they're pushing to make voting a little bit harder can seem difficult, it's within reason. So one of those things is the ID. And we'll, we'll stick with that for the time being because I really want to get you guys answer. And I, th- I think Jackie sort of answered it already. But why is what's so difficult about getting an id if and if it is hard for some people why aren't we investing more money in just making it easier to get ids instead of like not making that a requirement first of all i didn't answer it because it's expensive right mm-hmm. it's expensive for people to get an id no so i'm saying why are we making why aren't we focusing on making it easier then well then why why put those laws in place in the first place right like some people don't need an id mm-hmm. right if you're not a driver you don't need a driver's license um you you know some people just don't need it they live their life no problem if there's a us citizen and they're eligible to vote they should be able to vote they don't need to you know we don't need to invest money into this other thing like just let people vote if they're eligible to do so i mean when you register to vote in new york state you have to show your ID when you first go register. That ensures that you are the person you say you are when you register. And that's he, not even true. And that's not even fully true. That's not even true. To register to vote, the only time that the um, that your polling location can ask you for your ID when you get to the polls is if you didn't submit a certain pi- uh, piece of 
information on your voter registration form. So all you need to register to vote is if you have a DMV or an ID number, um, that number or the last four digits of your social security number on yeah. the form. Um, so it's not even you don't even need an ID. ID. Yeah, no. OK, no, I, I think I was ID thinking or of a, no, I thank you for correcting me on that. I think I was thinking about another state where like you actually when you go to register, you show your ID. And so like you don't have to show it every time you vote. Plus, there's also this false equivalency argument like, oh, well, you show ID to buy cigarettes and you show ID to buy beer like you know and like so but like we're not talking about buying beer right. and buying right. cigarettes like right. we're talking about voting right you know like the, i hate when people bring that up and it's such a false equivalency like Absolutely. you know like, and it's it, it's a non sequitur the two things are completely have nothing whatsoever to do with each other and you know what? it may be true that a majority of people do have ids but like that's not the point the point is there are a lot of people that don't have ids they don't need to have them and they shouldn't have to go out of their way to get them just to vote. And to even further that point before I throw it over to Selena, is that they're not trying to solve a problem that exists, which I think you mentioned. Like, there was four cases of in-person voter fraud, because that's the only type of voter fraud that an ID combats is in-person voter fraud. Right. There was four cases in 10 years. You know what problem <laughs> they are trying to combat? And some of them, as I pointed out, have come out and said it, the problem that black people vote. That's the problem that they're really trying to combat, which to most of us who are, you know, not racist, that isn't <laughs> a problem at all. But to old grumpy white men that are Republicans that want to, quote unquote, take their country back, the fact that minorities and women vote is the problem. And that's the problem they're trying to solve. And the problem is, that, like Alyssa mentioned, they vote Democrat. Right. Um, there's also been a lot of debate in-house about, you know, are they start trying to specifically stop minorities and, and women? Or is it just about just stopping the Democratic race from progressing and winning elections? And I just wanted to, you know, piggyback because voting is a fundamental right here in America. And I think that we should make it easier to allow people to vote. And that's exactly what the discussion we're having about is why make it difficult? Because if something is, is, is something that we should all do in order to help our democratic process. Well, it's right. interesting that you mentioned that about it being a fundamental right because that's actually like not set, right? So like certain rights are actually like explicitly in the Constitution and although the Constitution mentions voting many, many times in the beginning of it, there's nowhere like the, in, like the First Amendment explicitly says you have the right to freedom of speech. There's actually nowhere in the Constitution other than in the articles where it talks about voting that explicitly says there's a constitutional right to vote, um, which I know sounds crazy to people yeah. because it is fundamental as you point out but like I think this is part of the problem and maybe I'm skipping a, far, a, a little too far ahead and, and we can come back but like if I was to come up with, with a solution to this issue I would say that we actually need a constitutional amendment that explicitly says that voting is a constitutional right which means if the government wanted to infringe on that right they would have to show that they had a compelling purpose for doing so yeah. not just some rational or legitimate purpose like a it would be a very high standard known as strict scrutiny, and they would have to show that the laws that they passed are the least restrictive means in order to meet that compelling purpose and that they do not infringe on that right in such a way that is more restrictive than it is less restrictive. I really think that's the what we need going forward in this country in order to solve this issue completely. What you're trying to do is make sense, and they don't make sense in Congress. But guys, we'll be <laughs> right back after this quick break. When we return, we'll be talking about one, the number of laws that have been pushed forward or passed to restrict voting, and then also some of our some of our ideas for voting rights. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard. We'll be right back after this quick break. Ooh, 
We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, The Voice of Harlem. I think everyone in here likes that song a lot. Yeah, what song is that? It's called Mind Your Business, Jackie. <laughs> um, so no, it's not. Yes, it is. Before we get back to busting Jackie's chops, I know um, Alyssa wanted to address um, a caller's question off air. So, Alyssa? Yeah, no, I just wanted to address something. Apparently, I made a comment during the news roundup where I was trying to um, make a comment about privilege and about how Kelly Osborne has privilege, and so she was disconnected from what people were talking about on The View uh, when it came to Hispanics. And then I also was using that as a way to shift gears to talk about a different news story to talk about how Caitlyn Jenner also has privilege and how that privilege comes out in her not understanding transgender issues. So the connection that I was trying to make wasn't between Hispanics and transgender issues. The connection that I was trying to make was the idea of privilege and how Kelly Osborne has such a privilege so she feels or makes comments that are very privileged with respect to Latinos and how Caitlyn Jenner has privilege and so she feels or makes comments that are very, you can tell are very privileged with respect to other members of the transgender community. So the, the crux of that was about privilege. Thank you so much for that Alyssa and thank you for the caller who called in. You know, listen, we, we love it when you guys call in with questions or comments and if you're confused you can always feel free to call in to get some clarity and hopefully that accomplished that goal. But we want to talk about a big case that may be going to the Supreme Court so I'm going to pass it on to my usual lawyer, the one that gets me out of prison for drinking too much Hennessy on a weekday. <laughs> yeah, I would hope not. Um, so, yeah, so, uh, you know, on this, obviously, after, as you mentioned, after Section 5 was um, overturned in the county, uh, Shelby County case, so, uh, Section 4, okay, well, we have that right. So it was Section <laughs> 4, that um, okay, to me, it was there. Yeah, we'll call it. Me. We'll call it the preclearance requirement, so that we don't confuse you on which section of the law it actually was. But needless to say, one of the sections of the Voting Rights Act was struck down as being unconstitutional. That was the preclearance requirement. After that, many states started to go forward with a lot of these restrictive voter ID laws, and one of those states was Texas. So on Wednesday, a federal appeals panel in the Fifth Circuit ruled that this strict voter ID law in Texas discriminated against black and Hispanics, and even though the preclearance requirement was gone, it violated the Voting Rights Act of of 1965. Um, It's a decision that a lot of (laughs) election experts are calling an important step towards towards defining the reach of the landmark law. Um, But what's so interesting about it is it may set up the next thing that goes up to the Supreme Court, potentially. If Texas does appeal this up further up to the Supreme Court, then the Supreme Court is going to rule on this law, and they're going to make a determination about whether or not that, um, sorry, whether or not this restrictive voter law in Texas actually violated the Constitution or not. Um, And what's so I guess concerning to me about that is, you know, if the Supreme Court decides to take this case, they could say like, on one hand, they could say, no, this was discrimination, this discriminated and laws like this, or at least the way the Texas one was written cannot stand. On the other hand, the Supreme Court could look at this and say, hey, listen, we don't think this violates the Voting Rights Act. And if the Supreme Court says that, then Texas is going to go forward and they're going to implement that law. But Texas isn't going to be the only state that does that. It's going to be Texas and it's going to be all these other states that have been pushing for these laws. And it's going to, you know, really be a really, really big setback. So on one hand, while it's really good that a federal court of appeals has ruled that this law is unconstitutional and violates the Voting Rights Act of 1965, on the other hand, it's sort of really bad because it's it sets it up for this to issue to go back up to the Supreme Court. Yeah. And that's a really scary prospect with the, yeah. you know, the five to four kind of balance that we've seen on the court when it comes to this decision. No. And, and you know what? And 
I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if this is not like this is one of the many cases that goes to the, to the Supreme Court because we know we have states who have been looking to restrict the amount of the day like the early voting register the, the early voting they've been looking to restrict the kind of IDs you can use for voting but then they have also been looking to restrict voter registration drives so not just the, uh, the opportunity to go and vote but then also the opportunity to register to vote and be able to have a voice and but while those things are happening we have seen an upswing in people passing pushing legislation to expand the right to vote so since 2011 we have had at least 340 expansive bills that would increase access of voting, and they were introduced in 42 plus states, including the District of Columbia. 12 states plus the, the, the District of Columbia have passed 19 expansive bills, including one state, Wyoming, which is pushing a bill right now that would pre-register people who turn 16 years old to vote, which would make the process a lot easier. And with things like this happening and an opportunity to really make a difference in the voting process, what are some things that you think we can incorporate if we were to able, able to like reinstate the entire Voting Rights Act? What are some things you think we can incorporate to strengthen voting for the next generation? And I'll start with Jackie because, once again, she's all awake. Because I'm, <laughs> I'm always right. Um, oh, I love that idea of pre-registering 16-year-olds. I think, I mean, part of what I do for a living is register college students to vote. Um, and um, it's great when, you know, I'll have a conversation with a student that says, oh, I had a great high school teacher that registered all of us to vote. Um, I just spoke to someone last week who said, yeah, I haven't registered to vote yet because I missed that day in class. I was out sick. And so the day where they registered everyone, I wasn't there. Um, and I think that's a big problem. You know, there's there's very little, little civic education in schools. Um, so, you know, kids grow up not taking part in the political process. Um, you know, maybe you grow up in a household that's political. Um, and that's not necessarily a good thing because your um, ideals and, you know, things that you know might be influenced by parents that may or may not, you know, watch Fox News all day, every day, or <laughs> be, you know, have, I don't know. So um, so I think pre-registering 16-year-olds, I mean, as it is right now, you can register to vote if you're 17, if you will be 18 before the end of the year. Um, but I think just getting people in the loop sooner so that by the time they're 18, they're primed and ready to take part in these elections is a big deal. I mean, that's what we saw, you know, students vo- have voted, I mean, in 2012, I think they voted... Um, and young voters, 18 to 29-year-olds, voted in higher numbers than ever before. And that really influences elections. Um, and these are people that, you know, people, conservatives trying to alter the Voting Rights Act are afraid of, right? Because they really can sway elections in a more liberal direction. So I think that would be number one, my top suggestion. Register people earlier. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with all of that, including the civic education and the registration. Um, you know, I know we sort of talked about this and and the idea should be like we shouldn't have these strict voter ID laws. I totally agree with that. But I also think another thing that we can do, assuming that these states are going to move forward with these types of proposals and we don't know what the legal landscape is going to be, is right now when you have a Social Security card, when you know, you you get a Social Security card, right? That like you get a birth certificate, you get a Social Security card. I think that one of those things is that when you turn 18, the government should automatically send you like a like kind of a voter ID. Basically, everybody yeah. gets it. It's it's paid for by the government. If you're an American citizen and you have and you, the government will know because of your Social Security number. Right. I mean, now, obviously, there's some other logistical problems that could arise because like anything, when you create one thing, one solution to deal with one issue, it always, you know, it's like uh, other issues will pop up. So I don't discount the fact that there could be other issues that and logistics that would need to be sorted out. But basically, when you turn 18, you get 
a voter ID in the mail. Not only are you automatically registered the day, you know, forget even yeah. registering students at 16 in schools. The day you turn, if you're an American citizen, the day you turn 18, you are automatically registered to vote and you get a card in the mail that is, a, you know, an, or whatever. You, you get a thing in the mail that tells you you have to go take a picture, a current picture, or some way or another that we, you know, utilize getting a picture ID to everybody. Because then if everybody in the country has a picture ID, they can make as many voter ID laws as they want. And, you know, you're going to have an ID to go vote with. Now, that may not be the best solution to deal with these problems. Obviously, I think the way to deal with these is to recognize them for what they are and say, hey, we don't really need these laws. But if they're going to move forward with these laws, then we have to start coming up with other ways to combat them. Because at the end of the day, once the Supreme Court issues a decision on, you know, X or Y voter ID law, then we're going to not be talking about how we can combat the laws anymore. We're going to be talking about what's the next step in making sure everybody can comply with the requirements that whatever it is that the court sets. Selena? Um, I would really like to see, and you know, this is wishful thinking probably, but a three-day voter weekend, meaning that people could, instead of it just being a inconvenient Tuesday that people have to go out and vote and either take off from work or call in late or, or leave work early, I think that it would be beneficial if we could vote on the weekends and then we had like a voter, a national voter day that Monday and that would get it would make it more convenient for everyone to be able to vote. And I also wanted to condemn, um, excuse me, I wanted to big up uh, President Obama because just this past week he declared September 22nd National Voter Registration. Day. That, that was already a thing. Yeah, but for years. Oh, <laughs> sorry about that. Well, okay. Well, well organizers have to look at you crazy. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> that was like 800 people back in 2012 and, in mm, one day. It just remains to be said. Like obviously, the Voting Rights Act really needs to be reauthorized. It never used to be a partisan fight. It used to be every Republican and every Democratic president since 1965 has passed the Voter Rights Act with basically no opposition. So you know, obviously, the Voting Rights Act should be reauthorized. And as I already mentioned, we should have a constitutional amendment which makes it a constitutional right to vote. So, guys, we're going to do something interesting now. This is called the lightning round. So, in this scenario, the Voting Rights Act has been has been um, expanded, has been reinstated in completion, and then now there's a couple things on the table that we can add on there. I just want yes or no answers, no explanations, so we can make this fast. So, one of those things is online registration. We'll start with Jackie and go around. Would you be okay with having online voter registration, Jackie? Yeah. Alyssa? Yes. Selena? Yes. All right. The next part was actually something that Alyssa mentioned, which is automatic registration at the age of 18. Jackie? Yes. Alyssa? Yes. Yes. Damn, you guys are really liberal. You must like (laughs) the gays. I don't know. A national holiday for Election Day. Jackie? Um, Yeah. Yeah. Alyssa? I'm on the fence about that one. Yes or no, Alyssa? And you mean a national holiday like Like, everybody gets work off? Yes. I think, I I know you don't want explanations. I think people won't go out and vote if you do that, to be honest. They'll be like, oh, I have a day off. I'm going to go to vacation. I'm not going to go vote. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yes. That's why I say I'm on the fence. I'm all all for it. So we're going to close it out now, guys, but I wanted to do that because there there are a lot of things on the table. Everything I mentioned over here are pieces of legislation that are up on the table right now. Some of them will get voted on, some of them will not. What we do know is that voting is something that really should be a right, and we really should consider putting in the Constitution as something that every American has. We don't have that right now. What we have is a is a bill that was passed 50 years ago that is weakened significantly because of a Supreme Court that thought that racism was over. And what we also have is a bunch of states who think that it's a good idea to restrict the access 
for people to vote and to hurt college students from being able to vote because they're afraid of what things they might vote for. And usually what they're afraid of is that they will change the good old days to being a new world where people of all different shapes, sizes, and colors can have a voice. And the best way to shut out someone's voice you don't want to hear is to take away their access to using that voice. And that is what's what's happening right now. And on the 50th anniversary, we can celebrate the battles that were won back then, but we need to be vigilant and begin a new battle now because we are fighting for our lives and our right to vote. So guys, we'll be going on a quick break. When we come back, we'll be talking about the police and how they're going to search things. No, I'm kidding. It's about the cameras, and the cameras are cool. Or are they? Yeah. 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 Yeah.